You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. We're in the middle of a series um, called It It Takes a Village, and uh, if you're new in the room, there's two angles that I'm coming from. Firstly, I want to quite intentionally speak into parenting, and then secondly, I'm hoping to speak into the fact that all of us are spiritual sons and daughters. We all need uh, mothers and fathers, and we all need to equip ourselves for that. And uh, I I know, again, I just want to say it because some of you will be new in the room. I know that for some of you, this series is quite hard. I know it's stirring up some stuff and it's meaning you're having to process some stuff and unpick some stuff. And what I also know is what, what at least I'm seeing is um, just how wonderful it is when we stick our stuff before Jesus and when we come with an openness and we come with a vulnerability and how wonderful it is to start to see the Holy Spirit heal us and free us and speak truth and life into areas of our lives that previously have had wounds and insecurities and, and will have caused entry points for the enemy to find ways for us to be tripped up and limit the fullness of all that God has for us. So um, for some of you, um, when when potentially in areas of your lives, you've only seen the, the fruit, whether that be good fruit or bad fruit, you're starting to discover some of the roots to unpick it and to uncover it. And I know at times that can be painful, but the light of the love of Jesus is landing on it and it's worth sticking with it. And um, one, one thing I think we need to be aware of as we go on that journey is just the awareness that the Holy Spirit is changing us. And actually, some of you are saying quite quickly. And uh, one of the challenges that you face when that happens is some people only know you for who you were, not for who you are or for who you're becoming. And... Uh, we, we, we come as we are, but we don't stay as we are. But sometimes those around us start to get used to some of the rough edges that they might have collided with, and they're not realising that you're starting to be different. And so what I want to do is just acknowledge that and celebrate that, but also remind all of us that we've got to allow people to change. Surely that's the people we are. We, are, we believe in the God of second chances and we believe in the God who speaks life to us. Let me just remind us of the, the older brother in the story of the prodigal son. It says this in Luke 15, verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf and we're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never once gave me a young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is now found. It can be so easy to find ourselves, if we don't think about it, in the position of the older son. But we constantly and consistently have to renew grace for people, potentially people that have bruised you because their hurt has collided with you. 
But let's be a people that surely keep extending grace, believing that someone can, is, and will change as they encounter something of the presence of God. And we don't write people off based on what was, but we, we believe for what could be because God is the God of second chances. I would say, and I guess some of you would have seen this, I'm not who I was, but I'm still not who I'm meant to be. And I'm on a journey of seeking that to become that. But I'm willing to acknowledge it and I'm willing to seek and take every opportunity to become more like him. The challenge comes when we don't allow people to, because we don't realise that they're changing, that they have and that they are. And they can then feel trapped. And I think sometimes the only outlet for people then is to bounce off the very community that should be for them and helping them in the first place. Does, does that make sense? That's kind of some of the stuff I've been processing this week. But we've got to commit to continually seeking to dig out gold and to renew in grace. Luke 4.18 says this. A number of you will be very familiar with it. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released and the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free that the time of the lord's favor has come and you know when you when you think about a verse like that what do you what and who do you see as what does it mean by set the captives free set the oppressed free so often we're held captive by stuff emotionally physically and spiritually and we need freeing and that's what the holy spirit does and that's what we've got to seek out and that's what we've got to long for realizing that all of us in some way will be oppressed and held captive. And when we acknowledge it, we put it before the Lord. And that's the, the stuff that he does, and that's why we love seeing it. Just wanted to say as well something that doesn't really fit anything I'm saying today, but very practically around ministry times that we have at the end, some of you are becoming more familiar with just making space for the Lord to move. But I just had a few reflections that um, may, may be helpful for some of you. My, my best advice would be, be, be praying for people and be prayed for regularly. Join, maybe join someone else who is praying for somebody. That's how we learn. That's how you become equipped to do the ministry of Jesus. Be prayed for regularly. Let people pray for you. And there's an openness and a vulnerability as we do that that really allows the Father to break in. If you've never been prayed for, ask somebody to pray for you. It's, it's a phenomenal thing. It's not that they have the right words or wise counsel, but it's that we allow the presence of God to break in to our lives. And I know these are also learning environments. People are people, and sometimes people will say things that misalign, but that's okay, because it's, again, just a moment where we extend grace and we realize that we're all learning, and we go again. I'd say it's helpful when we have those moments to stay in those moments as long as you can. Actually, don't feel the need to, to rush it. Sometimes I think that's our normal tendency. It's, oh, I've got to dash off and do this. Just rest in the presence of God. This may also be helpful for some of you to think about. I know, again, it's got no context in what I'm necessarily saying today. But if you're a married couple, let someone else sometimes pray for you. You don't always need to be together. And I often find, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not in any way trying to be rude or offensive or prescriptive, but if, if, if you just like praying and hugging the person that you're married to, you're getting a human thing. Actually, you want the Lord to break in. If it's always me praying for Steph, that's all she's going to get. She's just going to get me. And it's good for her and it's good for me that it doesn't always need to be me. 
I want to see what the Lord wants to do because it does take a village. The Lord can speak in and break in through other people. And so it's so, so helpful also if you've been prayed for to close your eyes. I think there's two reasons why we often say this. One is because you're trying to put yourself before Jesus and it just removes distractions and it removes um, you being lost or focusing on, on anything else. The second one is, it's just the weirdest thing in the world when the person you're praying for is just staring at you. And so um, with, with, our little, with our kids when they were little, I used to do this thing when I was trying to get them to sleep. I was just like, just keep stroking their eyes like this, just closing their eyes. And eventually they just drop. Sometimes just hold them for a few seconds. I often want to do that when I'm praying for people. They're just staring at me like this. And I'm just going to just give you a little, little eye close. Anyway, let's, let's get on with what I did want to talk about. Listen, it, <clears throat> it takes a village. That's what I want to talk about. Many of you will be familiar with the show and tell model of training. All it really is, is is a specific practical model of training. It's based around the key concept that we, we model something. And so discipleship and training comes through modeling. It's kind of like an apprenticeship model. What you see is what you become. So we're deeply influenced by the models that we've been exposed to in our lives and the models that we're exposed to in a church environment. Models, they impart something and they um, transfer and have a power to transform. And real change comes about by changing the models that we expose ourselves to make sure they're healthy. And so who we are, And what we model, particularly the leaders among us, will influence the church and it will form the church either for better or for worse. Therefore, we've got to take um, quite seriously those people who lead ministry and those that we give recognition to and public exposure to. Now, that's not to say that we're trying to keep ministry or certain things to like a to an elite or to like a you know a pure vineyardite or whatever even that is. But our concept and our practice of ministry is that training means that we're committed to giving it away. We want to constantly release it. This isn't a hold it thing. This is a give it away thing, to multiply it, to to almost do yourself out of a job, not to base it on you, but to see the fullness come in someone else. So we're continually seeking to train and release other people. And if our models, so if we model our priorities and our practices consistently, people will start to invite them. And so modeling really is just leadership by example. We don't need to have a lot of talk or sometimes a lot of explanation or persuasion or policing. What we really need is just an awful lot of modeling. And I guess I want to say that because I think that's the model. I say I think, I know that's the model that Jesus used. He used a show and tell model. What he did was he did something and his disciples watched him and then they did it with him And then they did it and he watched and then he left them doing it. And along that journey, he just gave them a little bit of feedback and a little bit of encouragement. Now, what I want to do today is try and suggest a very similar thing should and could happen with our parenting and our spiritual parenting. Because Jesus followed the Father's example, then we follow Jesus' example then we're to become an example of Jesus in the way that we love others. And then finally, others hopefully will see that example and do likewise. Let me just explain my thinking and just unpack that a little bit. 
Jesus followed the Father's example. In John 8, 38, it says this, I am telling you what I saw when I was with my Father. Jesus followed what he saw the Father do. And Jesus is perfect, and yet he chose to model to us that he followed the example of his Father. So that's the first thing. The second thing is then we're to follow Jesus' example. John 13, verse 15, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Now, I personally find that incredibly liberating. For some of you, those that have gone before you, some of your, um, your, your parents or even those who spiritually would have had oversight of you would have done things or said things or reacted in ways that have given you scenarios to consider that you would rather not replicate. They would, they would have hurt you. Now, that would definitely, I would say, be the case for me. I had a cold and a distant relationship with my dad. Even if actually that was the absolute opposite, his life wouldn't be the life that I would want to follow. If anything, I spent many years unpicking that and trying to understand the impact it had on me. And I'm glad that, therefore, he's not my model. For some of you, you will have to actively choose to not allow the pain that you faced with your earthly father or earthly parents collide with your understanding of a heavenly father. Even if that model actually was more healthy, that still isn't the model because actually the model is Jesus. He says, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. If you're now wondering, well, what is the model? Well, part of that is what I talked about last week. So I'd say jump back, catch up on that because I think that will hopefully help you. But what we do next is then we become an example of Jesus' love to others. It says 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Another way of seeing that or saying that, 1 Timothy 1.16, but God has had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. All glory and honor to God forever and ever. He is the king, eternal, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. Others will realize that they too. See, this is a, <clears throat> this is a pattern of modeling. This is seeing an example in you that allows others to see something of Jesus. Again, I said it last week, but hurt people will hurt people. Freed people will free people. So the more you see of Jesus, the freer you will be, the freer you are, the more others will be able to see a path and a route to freedom. And all of that, as that passage says, brings glory to God. Then the final thing is what happens from that is others will see that and that example will allow them to pass that on to somebody else. 1 Thessalonians 1.6, in this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. And as a result, you have become an example to all the believers in Greece. Phenomenal handing on of what happens in our lives then is passed on. Ultimately, people will always have a choice. You've got to know that. For some of you that will feel like a moment of condemnation of what you've seen or what others have seen in you, you will model the best you can to your children and your spiritual children. But ultimately, they'll always have a choice. That's exactly the same with our children or our spiritual children. It literally breaks my heart to see it, but it is true. They'll always have a choice. You can give it everything you've got 
and yet people can still follow influences in their lives that can lead them down remarkably dangerous and quite destructive routes. But your model will still be one of the most powerful things in their lives. Do you, do you know that, I guess is what I want to ask you? And do you take that seriously? How we live and the way we live has an impact and it has an effect on other people's lives. Luke 17 verse 1 says this, One day Jesus said to his disciples, There will always be temptations to sin, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. So watch yourselves. You know, my encouragement would be, Go out of your way to refine the example that you are to others. Keep yourself on an incredibly short leash. Don't get caught up in loose living. So much of what just it naturally imbibes if we don't think about it. In the, the current climate, it's that lads, lads, lads culture. You know, so often when people come together, what I, what I see is people encourage each other to almost lower the bar. It's kind of crazy. Surely we don't want to be that. And therefore, here's a few things that I just want to suggest that I I hope will be helpful for you um, and will empower your model that you have beyond anything maybe you've dreamed that might even be possible. My first encouragement would be this. Spend time with your children. That, I mean, for spiritual children away. But what does that look like? It means things like the weekend away. It means intentionally creating space and time in your diary for others. It means how you use your Sunday afternoons. It means early evening walks with other people. Whatever it is, you cannot model what others cannot see. So you've got to create environments where you're going to model the thing that you believe. And in everything we do, we're modeling something. I just want to encourage you to realise whatever you do, even the simple stuff. If I'm watching TV with the kids, I'm showing them my reactions to things that we're watching, be that good or be that less so. A huge responsibility that we carry is to recognise the power of what we model in literally every circumstance that we're part of. That's the first one. The second one is this. Choose to serve with your children. Again, I don't want to keep over-laboring this, but I, I mean that with your spiritual children as well. Choose to find environments to serve with them. Find ways to serve alongside side each other. Stuff that's not just for you and stuff that's not even just for them, but stuff that's for others. You know, I love what Paul says to the Ephesians. He says this, Acts 20, verse 35. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed, to, um, more blessed to give than to receive. He showed them that by hard work, we must help those in need. I guess there's, there's two things I wanted to pull out of that. Firstly, we need to be people that help those in need and make that a priority. And secondly, it's probably going to be hard work. And actually, that's okay. Honestly, we are constantly, constantly, constantly trying to show our children and actually show you that we're to serve the last, the lost and the least, but with the full knowledge and acknowledgement that in doing so, at times, that is incredibly hard work. It really is jolly hard work. But you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Show that. 
Honestly, model that. Show that to your children. In this day and age, do something this week that shows them that it is more blessed to give. give. Give something. Give something of your time, of your resources, of your kindness, and, and take others on the journey of doing it. You know, there's, there's this guy who, um, quite strategically, I think, he parks his ice cream van outside the school gates. And honestly, I think it's actually criminal because he knows exactly what he's doing. And I've, I've started to find ways to manage expectations with our kids that well, I'm just limiting this thing to a, to a Friday because this guy is literally fleecing me. And um, anyway, I guess what I've started to do is I want to use the opportunity to show the kids that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. So I'm like, if you're having one, start to develop the mindset. This is why it's fleecing me. But it's like, buy one for other people. Buy one for your friends. Don't just have one. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And we model something of the kingdom, constantly finding ways to model something of the kingdom and creatively finding ways to sow that into the culture of those around us. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And the only way I think people know that or really catch that is actually because we show them that by something that we do and something that we live out. Sometimes I think we could do less for our children, but we could do more with our children, if that makes sense. Less for them, but more with them. Involving them in activities for them is good, and I'm not criticising that. I'm not saying that's wrong. It certainly shows a commitment, and it's a phenomenal investment. But we also want to model our commitment to love our neighbour and our commitment to love the weak, which actually may mean reprioritising what you have time and capacity to do because you can't always do both. God doesn't just want to work in your family. He wants to work through your family. And I think that's an important thing. We're going to give something away. A week or so ago, I just heard a phenomenal story of this young um, child in this church who, with his parents, uh, made a card and along with a few sweets, dropped it round for another couple of young children in the church. It wasn't for the parents. It was from a child for a child. So, so powerful. What a wonderful thing to start teaching and modelling and imbibing. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And we want to find ways to do that and ways to model that. The third, the third thing is this, choose to keep talking to your children, even when it appears that they're not listening. Now, they, this is kind of a big deal. You know, they may not interact with you over a meal. They may not interact with you on a whole car journey. But that doesn't mean that you're not modeling something very powerful through the truth of the conversation, even if they're acting like they're not listening or hearing. And again, I'm, honestly, I mean this as much for spiritual parenting as I do for children. Just keep investing. For some of you, you will have found this with others in the church, others in the city, others that you're in relationship with. It can really be a thankless task sometimes, but keep giving it away. Keep investing. The fourth thing is this, choose to model your weaknesses. They're going to see your weaknesses whether you choose to be honest about them or not. So why not just be honest? You know, one of the greatest ways we model weakness, I think, is sometimes just being actually able to say sorry when we've got it wrong. I made a mistake. I caused you hurt. I don't you find it amazing 
that as grown adults, I'm classing myself as one of them, but as, as, as grown adults, how hard it can be sometimes to say sorry. Do you, ever, do you ever find that? We find every other thing and every other way, but actually sometimes the thing we just need to say is sorry. The fifth thing is this, choose to release your children. You know, at some point, the, the, the kids need to get out of the car seat and I, I kind of use that as a description of children, but I mean that for all of us without being patronising. We need to help and train people and equip people for the day that they do and the day ahead. And one of the most effective ways of doing that is by modelling something so that they know the way to go when it's just them and they're on their own. Let's, let's just think for a moment just about the model that we have, and that is, of course, Jesus. He spent time with his disciples. They walked together, they ate together, they served together, they rode across the lake together, they went to parties together. The disciples learned faith by being together with Jesus in the everydayness of life. And sometimes I think we just start to make things a little bit more complicated than we need to. What does it really mean to just do that? Well, it means to have barbecues together, it means to lay patios together it means to help each other with house repairs and job applications we just do stuff together that's kind of the thing that Jesus did he spent time with his disciples then what did he do he just he talked to them even though at times they seemed to have absolutely no clue what he was saying or they were so caught up with like petty jealousies that they missed the amazing truths of what he was sharing Jesus just kept sharing truth with them he kept talking to them. Sometimes it can be a hard slog, can't it? I think for some of you, it'll be a hard slog right now. Your kids, your spiritual kids, those that you're investing with, just seems like they're not listening or that actually you're getting very little return back. Just keep sowing. Keep sowing. That's what Jesus did. He spent time with them and he talked to them. And we're all still reading and being changed by the truths that Jesus shared in those conversations with those disciples. And I pray that one day you would experience the joy of hearing your child, your spiritual child, repeat something years later that you were convinced when you first spoke it they didn't hear or they didn't listen to. Because he spent time with his disciples. He talked to them. Thirdly, what did he do? He shared his weaknesses with them. Jesus told his followers that he was tired and hungry. That's a weakness. When they became more mature, when they were more able to hear it and to understand it, he told them of his deep anguish of his soul at Gethsemane. He says, Mark 14, 34, he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He's sharing something of his, of his inner feelings. People will be encouraged and inspired by your strengths, but they'll identify with your weaknesses. I want to encourage us to be real to be honest, to be vulnerable as a community. It's kind of the way of what he did. He spent time with his disciples. He talked to them. He shared his weaknesses with them. What, then what did he do? He released them constantly and consistently. From the very, very beginning, I would say, before many of us would have thought they were ready, Jesus was sending his followers out to do ministry on their own. Don't you find that fascinating? I think even as we read it now with hindsight, he's sending them out before many of us would have done that. 
before we actually thought or would acknowledge that they were ready. But we have to learn to see the best, to believe the best, and to empower people. John 20, 21, again, he said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We've got to be ready to be sent. We've got to be looking to be sent. But who are you training and who are you investing in to send? In everything we do, we should have somebody alongside us that we're investing in, that we're seeking to send and to release. And part of that, I think, and this is kind of a huge thing, I just want to round off today by saying this, is, is kind of in what we say. It's what we model, and it's what we model is also part of what we say. The power of words to influence in someone's life is almost beyond measure. All of us will have um, personal experience of this. It's highly likely that you will now, in this moment, be able to recall something negative that was said to you in earlier years, on the playground or in the classroom, in high school, whenever it was, you will have a memory of something that was said negatively. It's highly likely that you'll still remember the tone of voice, the comment that belittled you or sidelined you, the moment of not being chosen in the sports team or the, the feeling of, of, of not being good enough or popular enough to not fit in with the group in the way that maybe others wanted. And that may be 10, 20, 30 or so years ago, but the memory can still be there, that you weren't good enough, maybe, that you weren't good enough for what your parents expected of you, or maybe what you thought they expected of you. And there can be a lasting power in words, particularly in the mind of a young child. And often what we have to do is we have to reach into that moment and we have to break the power of it and not just break it, but release it and then replace it with the truth of the Father of what he sees and what he believes in you and has for you. And as we go forward, we have to ensure that then what comes out of our mouths actually reflects something of the Father. Because Jesus taught us that our words don't just slip out accidentally, they come from our hearts. Matthew fifteen eighteen. but the words you speak come from the heart, that's what defies you. See, words start in the heart, so if we're irritated, we're more likely to speak rudely. If your heart is threatened, you're more likely to speak harshly. When your heart is loving, you're more likely to speak graciously. And it's our children and it's our spiritual children that often end up absorbing the fallout of our negative attitudes because we sometimes say the most negative things to those that we love the most. Have you ever found that? so often true often a, a younger child particularly or even those that you have a sense of like almost spiritual investment in can feel disempowered to respond to you if you speak in that way and so they literally absorb it as a spoken word that can have and can take hold over them Matthew 15 I think gives us this hope for change and there's a few things I just encourage us to think through when we speak the first one is this recognize that the, the words you speak come from your heart. Until we recognize the source of our words, we're not going to change because it's easier to blame our circumstances or to blame our weariness or to blame other people's faults than actually take ownership of the words we speak. I don't think Jesus actually lets us off the hook in that way. What he does is he brings us face to face with the reality that the source of our words is our heart. 
Matthew 15, 18, the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. James 3, 10 says this, and so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of bubbling of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water even when the fresh source is available for through the transformative power of god we can often quite easily return to old habits and hurtful negative words but knowing that the words come from the heart also point to the only possibility of change beginning with a change of heart and as ever with these things the changed pattern of one person holds the promise of leading to change for another person. That's, that's the first thing. The second thing is, ask God to change your heart. Honestly, that's a powerful thing to do. But how often we don't necessarily think to do it. Change your heart and you'll start to see your words change. You might be able to control your tongue for a while, but the negative attitude will start to leak out of your heart. But the heart of this really, excuse the pun, but the heart of it is repentance, which really just means to turn around, to make a fresh start. So when we learn to trust God for change rather than ourselves, this amazing thing starts to happen, which God's, God's change then builds on the change. You see change because you're seeing change. As my heart changes and I speak loving words, the loving words that I then speak start to cause my heart to change as we step into it as we make it a mind thing it actually makes it a heart thing every time we speak loving gracious kind words we take steps towards spiritual growth and spiritual maturity ephesians four fifteen. instead we'll speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like christ who is the head of the body the church when we speak truth in love we grow in every way to become more and more like Christ. The third thing is this, ask for forgiveness when you say the wrong thing. I know I mentioned it earlier, but I kind of wanted to say this twice because I think it's a big deal. When most of us make a mistake and we say the wrong thing, we often try and make up for it and say sorry by doing something rather than saying sorry. Have you, have you ever noticed that? Have you ever found that? Let me just give you an example. You might get cross with your children or say something harsh to someone and you realise you shouldn't have said it, so you'll do something. Like you, you'll get your children an ice cream and somehow you hope that they make the connection between ice cream means an apology. My encouragement would be, make the apology, then go and get the ice cream or do the thing that you might have done. Because as they get older, what that starts to develop and what that starts to invest is, I'm sorry I wasn't actually upset with you. I'm sorry I'd had a tough day. And actually that leaked out in my words and I shouldn't have let it. And we'll all struggle with our words this side of heaven. But we want to try and seek to be committed to growing in the way we communicate. And that means to seek to change our heart and therefore the source of our words because that is our heart. 1 Thessalonians 2.11, and you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you. We encouraged you and we urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy, for he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. The power of encouragement is so significant. We want to motivate our children towards positive actions. And a negative word can be like a rock in your shoe. 
Have you ever had that? Even the smallest, tiniest little stone can change the way you walk. It's so fascinating. You, you take your shoe off and you look at it and it's like this tiny little thing. It's completely dictated the way you walk. And as long as that's there, you've got to get it out and get it out quickly as you can. My encouragement then is, is, is like, almost like new shoes, as we start to use encouragement, have you ever found that? With, with new shoes, it's like you're quicker, you're faster, you've got this spring in your step. There's just something about it. Proverbs 27, verse 15, a quarrelsome spouse is as annoying as a constant drip on a rainy day. That drip of negativity can reinforce the wrong action. And I'm not saying it's wrong to address it. I'm not saying it's wrong to speak truth into it. Positive words don't actually ignore negative circumstances. It's just that negative words look to the past, whereas positive ones look to the future. Negative words seek to blame, and positive ones look for solutions. Negative words promote guilt, and positive ones provide grace. It's interesting, though, as much as we know that, it's often easier, isn't it, to slip into negative ones. Maybe sometimes it feels like it will get a quicker result in somebody's life or it's just the pattern maybe that you grew up with. But I want to encourage you to work hard to make the choice to encourage and to resist the temptation to react in anger or criticism or negativity. We've got to let our kids, we've got to let our children, our spiritual children grow up. It's easier, isn't it, to hold them in the place of being a child. There's probably so many reasons for that. Maybe it meets a need in us. Maybe it's a life pattern that we've just got stuck in, but we've got to let people expand and develop and grow up. And sometimes that means actually stopping speaking and instead choosing to listen. James 1.19, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. Jesus listened, he looked, and then he spoke. And when Jesus spoke, he spoke encouragement into the lives of those that would listen. Let me just give you a quick couple of examples as I finish. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them intently and he said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, everything is possible. Jesus looked at them intently. Mark 3, 34, Jesus replied, who is my brothers and brothers? Then he looked at those around him and he said, look, these are my mother and brothers Anyone who does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. He looked at those around him. Mark 10, 21, look at the man. Jesus felt genuine love for him. Jesus listened, he looked, and he spoke. Some of you will not have had that kindness offered to you in your upbringing, and it will have called you scars that need to melt in the arms of Jesus. Some of you will have not been in environments of encouragement. It doesn't mean avoiding crucial conversations or being woolly or fluffy. Jesus said things quite, quite direct. So many times, like, you have little faith. You know, it's like, why are you still doubting? He didn't ignore the problem. He encountered it and he went at it head on. But then he encouraged and he said to those of little faith, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed you'd be able to do anything that God wants. Because what he did is he turned something that he was challenging into an affirmation and an encouragement. The honest gift 
of encouragement. We get to offer that to our children. We get to offer the words that we use to our spiritual children. And encouragement carries us forward from, from where we are, and I believe it calls us into a place of where we could be. And, and it speaks a life and truth and hope that brings us alive, because ultimately it's reflecting something of the Father. I actually think he's going to do some of that for some of you now. So should we just stand together? Steph's going to come as well. I'm just going to spend a moment just resting in the presence of God. And you might want to close your eyes or just open yourself up to him to speak. Lord, we just posture ourselves before you. I I just sense there's a number of things he's going to want to do right now. There's a number of things that I'll have touched on. Some of you might have not had a prior awareness of it, but I think he just wants to speak into it. Some of you will have lacked generosity. And he just wants to say it's more blessed to give. Some of you will have been on the receiving end of spoken words, lack of encouragement, not fitting in, not being chosen. Some of you, you've actually got to get some of the rocks out of your shoes. To enable you to run free. Just take a take a fresh look at the Father this morning and see the way He looks at you and the way He listens to you. Let honestly, honestly let him do what he's doing. Some of you it's like there's like a wrestle going on where you think you have to you have to hold it together, you have to just maintain some kind of Dignity, for want of a better word. Just let him have what he's doing. As we become vulnerable and open ourselves in weakness, he breaks in with strength. Some of you have never experienced anything like this before. I just say rest in the moment of what the Lord is doing. For some of you, you're making the association that it's like it's because of pain. It's not always because of pain. We've got to realise that the the Father is perfect. This goes beyond anything you've ever known or understood, even if it was good. What He's trying to deposit in you now. It's what is in heaven coming to earth. I think there probably are a number of people who just feel really downtrodden. Your your soul and your spirit has been diminished by um, spoken word and um, yeah, things that have been said to you. And it may even be that you've almost made an agreement with that, that you feel like, well, maybe there was something in that. Maybe they were onto something. But yeah, just the sense is that there are things that have been spoken to some of you that were just complete lies. 
not founded on anything and not even about you. And we'd just love to pray for you. Just bring that before the Father and ask for, for freedom, for release from that. So why don't you respond if there's if yeah if there's anything that you're that you resonate with, why don't you come and receive prayer? Any of the things that have been spoken about this morning or indeed anything else that you just like to be prayed for. Let's just have a sensitivity to that i think there's a there's like another wave of also what the lord is going to do and it's quite separate to to that but i think some of you there's a there's an equipping this morning um to to spiritually invest in others it's like you put in a like a even as i say that i think some of you can feel like a weight and a burden coming on you to step up there's a mantle you some of you actually, as I'm saying that, you can feel it physically. You're just aware. You've got to respond to that. There's some of you feeling it as a quite a physical weight in your hands or over your shoulders. It's not necessarily in that way, but just let, let the Lord birth what he's going to birth. You might want to respond and ask some people to pray and say, that is me. I just feel a, I feel a burden to, to lift off. And, and to walk alongside and to be a um, to be a steward of, of the things he's he's given you for others let's just be let's just be family as well there's there's people who have come forward people who have responded people all over the room who are um, in a, in a place of sensitivity to the Spirit of God, let's, let's, uh, if you're in a small group, we just ask that somebody of the same sex there. But equally, as I said earlier, this is a learning environment. Come and learn. Come and join somebody. Say to someone in your small group, can I come with you? Will you pray with me for someone else? Would come. If, if you're thinking and wondering, oh, <clears throat> you know, would I pray for someone else? Is there someone waiting? There's people all over the room who are waiting. There's a number of people hovering around the front as well. If you, if you want to join somebody, pray with somebody. Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.